All right, if you got your notes, get them out and look at them. If you don't, I don't know if the notes made it online today yet or not. They will be there if they're not there yet. But if you have your, your uh, phone or a tablet with you, you can go to, the, to the, um, the app. And if you have that, you can see it there. But if you don't have, because I'm going to ask you questions, and you've got a cheat sheet in front of you, okay? So it will help you out if, uh, if you don't remember these things. We're up to number six of the fruit of the Spirit. One of the things I'm hoping is that by the time we finish this, that you'll know the nine components, the nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. The first three, I think most of you could probably say, when you're asking people, can you name the fruit of the Spirit, they normally do something like this. If they're not real sure, they go, love, joy, peace, and self-control. And you go, oh, okay, well, you got four. You know, that, that's all good. So love, joy, and peace are the first three, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit produces in us. The next one we talked about was one Pastor Kevin talked about. How many of you can remember what that one was? Patience. The next one we looked at was last week, and we talked, it's a good word for, for our culture today especially. What's the fifth one? Kindness. How many of you made a special effort with the help of the Holy Spirit this week to try and be kind a little bit more than normal or someone to target as, let me see your hand if you tried to be a little kinder this week. Uh, it's an awesome thing. I encourage you to, to, to stay on that track. The word today is a very similar word, and actually the two are often kind of interchangeably used. So I'm going to point out a little bit different aspect. The sixth one of the nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is the word goodness. Now, whereas, it, and, and different people see this different, so I'm going to tell you that right up front, but to me it seems like this. Whereas kindness speaks a whole lot more about activity, about my behavior, about me being doing something, I think that goodness speaks more about my attitude. Now, by the way, there's not nine fruit of the Spirit. There's one fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is Christ-likeness, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is Christ-likeness, and here's what Christ-likeness looks like. So the nine things are, are, are given there for us, and when we want to get better in love, uh, the way that we have love produced within us, the Holy Spirit produces, and it deals with our attitude. The, the Spirit produces joy. That's our emotions. Uh, produces peace. That's our mind. How many of you know that you have to have peace in your mind to have peace? Isn't it amazing that you can be uh, sitting near like a beautiful lake with a with a little bit of just wind blowing and the sun just the right, everything perfect, a very serene uh, atmosphere, but yet if there is turmoil in your mind, everything else is negated. And the opposite is true because where we see peace being manifest most clearly in Scripture is often in the midst of a storm. The place where it shouldn't be is where it is, and often the place where it should be, it's not. Why is that? It's because our human nature, our mind often causes us to be filled with, with strife, but the Holy Spirit will produce peace within us. And when we talked about patience, Pastor Kevin <clears throat> reminded us that speaks of the way we respond to life. And last week we looked at kindness, and that deals with my behavior. Today is goodness, and that deals with my heart. Here's a statement for you. I will grow in goodness 
as I allow the Holy Spirit to purify my heart. Now, I read a really great sermon not long ago by a, a guy that passed away probably 40 years ago. Um, it seemed like he was a Methodist pastor from over in Tennessee. And he, it was a sermon about Barnabas, which I'll actually refer back to in a minute here. But he was talking about the verse that I'm going to share in Acts 11:24. It said, Barnabas was a good man. And he said, when you say someone's a good person, most of us have to kind of stifle a yawn or, you know, think, is that the best we got today? We live in a culture of superlatives, right? Everybody has to be the biggest, the best, the greatest, the most awesome. We even make up words to extend our superlatives of how incredibly, unbelievably, undeniably fantastic something is. And um, I remember from that great theological masterpiece of a movie called Elf, (laughs) that he goes into a diner, and outside they had a sign that declared how good they were, and their sign said, the world's greatest coffee. And he comes in so excited, I've been looking for this place. (laughs) And he tasted it, and it's not the world's greatest. As a matter of fact, it's not even good. But we have this tendency that we've downplayed good as not being important. But I would suggest to you this morning that the world would be a better place if there were more good men and women with good hearts. And the fruit of the Spirit produces goodness. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is very important. You understand this. We're saying it every week. We're trying to drive this point home to you. The goal with all six that we've done so far and the three that are yet to come is not for you to leave the service going, I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to try harder. You know, I'm going to be kinder. No, the goal is I'm going to let the Holy Spirit saturate my life. And as he saturates my life, it produces this result. So often, we're trying to get to the conclusion. We're trying to get to the result, but we're not doing the process. Have you ever noticed, too, Pastor Kevin spoke to it very clearly, that when we talk about patience The biggest fear we all have is, oh, I bet this week somehow God's really going to put me through the ringer. I'm going to be put to the test. And it's almost like, ah. You know, there there should be something in all of us that, that, that recognizes bring the test on. Because that's how I can prove and how I can know what God has done in my life. The fruit of the Spirit describes characteristics we could never have without the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The Greek word uh, agathosune, by the way, just a little trivia note here, whatever. So far, there are two words in the six that we've done that, that are not common names for women. They may come back in style. I, I, I read just this last week or week and a half ago, something, the top 10 baby names of 2022 according to the Department of Social Security. So they looked at the actual names that came in and whatever, and man, I would have done really, really bad on that test. 
Young families are naming their kids some strange names today. I'm just telling you. So these two may make a, may make a comeback. I don't know. One of the names that's given here um, that, that would be the lady's name would be the name Irene. It's the word for peace. It's where we get the word serene, and that's one. And this one here, Agatha Sune, uh, the, the word is Agatha. I don't know anyone named Agatha. Anybody in the room named Agatha, first or middle name? Anybody want to be named Agatha? We'll just change it here today. Um, that word means good or goodness, and Agatha Sune means to be good to someone, to, to have it expressed in an outward direction. So the word Agatha Sune speaks of the, the, this mindset one of being uh, helping people, uh, and it's not just an attitude or motivation, but a lifestyle characterized by virtue and helpfulness. Now, if you think about it for just a moment, another word that I think would fit in very well in context here in goodness would be the word holy. Now, doesn't it make sense that if we are saturated by the Holy Spirit, it will produce holiness in us? goodness in the way that we live, goodness in the way that we view life, living things according to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the will of God, those things will be in place if we are saturated with the power of the Spirit. Another word you could use would be the word integrity or righteousness, doing things in the right way, being in the right place. And this word requires uprightness in life. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is singular, as I've already said, with nine different aspects. And they often work to amplify and intensify the beauty of each other. So goodness, obviously, is birthed out of love. Goodness comes when we're patient enough not to blow a fuse too quick and short-circuit the good we should be doing for somebody. Jesus talks about this a lot. He says, if you're only good to the people who are good to you, how are you different than anyone else? Well, I'm really good to the people that I like. Then you're not good. Jesus came out with such a radical philosophy that he said it this way, love your enemy. Now, that verse has always troubled me a little bit. I was thinking about it, and I try to live my life. I try, as best of my ability, to, to never put that tag on anybody. I don't see anybody as my enemy except the devil. I remember several years ago, one of our pastor's kids, he was real little, like maybe four and he was trying to get compassion in his heart and whatever. And he, he kind of got, you know, wires crossed here a little bit. But I loved his heart of what he was trying to say. He said to his mom, he says, Mom, I'm going to be the devil's friend. And his mom said, what? He said, I'm going to be the devil's friend. Nobody likes him. And he needs a friend. And so at least he had, he had the right heart. Maybe theology just a tad bit off, but, but the right heart. I don't look at people and label them with the tag enemy, but I was thinking about this. Maybe some people see me as their enemy. And if that is the case, and if that's the way they treat me or the way that I perceive their treatment of me, my responsibility as I am filled with the Spirit is still to be full of goodness. Overflowing with goodness because the Holy Spirit produces that 
in us. Okay, let me give you a few thoughts this morning real quickly. Number one, God is the source of supernatural goodness. God is full of love, grace, mercy, compassion, kindness. As a matter of fact, when you look through the Old Testament, you see God continually delivering his people even when they do wrong. The book of Judges is a very interesting book to read. It's very cyclical. It it goes in a circle, if you will. And the cycle basically is this. The people of Israel are blessed with prosperity. And because they're blessed with prosperity, they get a little careless in the way they live. They get a little selfish in the way they live. They just kind of veer off the path a little bit. By the way, the word sin means to miss the mark. So they get off the path, they get off the track, and they move away from God instead of following after God. So God, in his love, sends a problem. Did everybody hear that? To correct their path walk. Now, typically... This is not just a momentary issue. Normally, it continues to get so bad because of their rebellion and disobedience till finally they are put in slavery. Here's what happens. When they have a little problem, they're thinking, I can handle this. And as the problem grows, they're like, okay, I got to really buckle up and be strong. We can, we can overcome this. And then finally, they're put into absolute slavery, and, and they're in bondage. And then finally, they cry out to the Lord, oh, God, help us. Can I just, like, give you a, a little IQ encouragement right here, what wisdom looks like? Don't wait until you hit the bottom to cry out for help. They would have been much better off had when, the, when God put the first bump there, if they'd have went, oh, my bad. Following you, Lord. Sorry about that. But instead, they're like, ah, we can, we, we can fix this. You know, there, there's a tendency we have in human nature, we can fix this. The reality is we need God's help in everything that we do. God is a God of supernatural goodness. Um, Let me give you some verses. I gave you just the chapters there, but let me read some of this to you. Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joy of those who take refuge in him. Psalm 84, 11. Not only is he good, but he gives good things. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good things from those who do what is right. Psalm 105, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Psalm 106, 107, and 118. And in 118, it's the first verse and the last verse. All say these words. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And by the way, Psalm 136, if you'll ever read that whole chapter there, it speaks of the reasons why we should give thanks. 
Let me back up to Psalm 107 that's in your notes there, just the chapter. Read that entire chapter, and there's four or five different episodes in there of how people had problems, but every time God rescued them, and the psalmist always ends those paragraphs with this, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his good deeds among the people. God is good. Now, often people look at life and they say, well, if God is good, why are there problems in life? Why is there evil? Why is there hardship? Why is there sickness? Why is there disease? Because we have chosen sin over righteousness. And by the way, I'm not even going to blame the devil as much as I'm going to blame us. We've positioned ourselves that these are, these are the results of our choices and our actions. But God is good and offers to us help and hope in our time of need. He will strengthen us. He will help us. Psalm 145, verse 9, one of my favorites. The Lord is good to everyone. He shows compassion on all his creation. You know, it's amazing to think of the goodness of God that he put us on this planet that is perfectly placed so the temperatures align so that we can, can live and that we can, can thrive and survive here. Not only that, but the way water, the, the way that nature happens, the water falls from the earth or falls to the earth from the clouds and all these things go on. I realize there are issues, there are problems. We don't live in a perfect place yet. But there is a place that we're headed where there will be no sorrow, no sickness, no disease, no death. What a day that will be. God's perfect plan will finally be implemented in our lives. First thing is God's the source of supernatural goodness. Second, and this may hurt your feelings today, but it's just absolutely true. No one is supernaturally good. Paul in Romans chapter 7, Paul, Paul the apostle, writing the book to the Romans. I mean, this isn't like when he's a novice starting out. He is an apostle at this point. He is the man. He's the leader, in my opinion, of the church at this point in time. He's the guy that everybody's getting direction from. Wrote over half the New Testament, uh, or, or about half the New Testament or so. And he says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Wow. Paul says that. Now, he goes on later in the chapter. I don't want to leave you in the dark or leave you in a place of, of like, oh, my goodness, there's no hope. It's actually in the next chapter. By the way, the book of the letter to the Romans, when Paul wrote it, didn't have chapters and verses. I've told you this before. You know why there's chapters and verses now, right? They were put in about uh, 700 years ago, 600 years ago or so, and they were put in so that when you are reading the Bible, we can all read together, and I can say, go to Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and you can flip in your Bible to chapter 8, but they weren't written, it was just a letter. Later on, people kind of de- broke it up and designated it so you could see it. So, 7 and 8 just all flow together. And in chapter 7, he says, I can't do anything good in my flesh. I have the desire, but not the ability in the end of the chapter, he says, who will deliver me from this horrible situation? And he says, thanks be to God who gives me victory. And then he goes on in chapter 8, one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible, and talks about the work of the Spirit in our life, which is what we're talking about today, how the Holy Spirit helps us. Human nature struggles to do good continually. 
It's not just that sometimes we, we have a problem with this. It's all the time. And we start thinking we're doing really good and we're on track. And then somebody does something to us that knocks us off our bubble. And, and all of a sudden, the goodness is gone again. We probably never actually acknowledge saying these things. But there are times for all of us where we're at least thinking it, if not saying it, and it may be even a little bit in our subconscious, not way out on the front, but when someone does something to us or when someone behaves in a manner we think is wrong, there's probably a part of us that just, with a little bit of a vengeful spirit, God, if you would just get them one time, I would be good with that. And, 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 and sometimes God does use those kind of things to bring them to redemption. But the truth is, we're not talking about redemption. We're talking about revenge. God, they did something to me. Now you make it right. And uh, I've heard people say all kind of things, you know. Uh, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Oh, to be his hand extended. You know, I've heard people say things like that. I've heard people say, God, I'm not going to get mad, but God, it's in your hands, so you do what you need to do, Lord. Get off your sanctimonious high horse and pray for the good of everyone. Now, ultimate good is that they would know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about that we overlook wrong. Matter of fact, that would be the opposite of the word goodness. Goodness looks and sees what is right, what is holy, what is pure, what is good, and and pursues that. But goodness never makes a person the target of our frustration or or our lack of... of, um, uh, our lack of, of approving of what's going on, it always is with the issue. And we ask God to bless people and bring revelation. We ask God to bless people and wherever he's leading them through, that he would use everything for his glory. God commands us to be supernaturally good. And let me back up. Psalm 14, 1 through 3. I'll read this first. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Well, David certainly had an opinion. It's the fact that we have to have goodness infused into who we are spiritually, supernaturally by God. Now, God commands us to to do supernatural goodness and to be supernaturally good. Galatians 6.10 says, do good to everyone. 1 Timothy 6.18 commands us to be rich in good works. Hebrews 10.24 tells us we are to inspire one another toward good deeds. Uh, Romans 12 21 says we're to overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 9 says love needs to be genuine. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. So these are all things the Bible tell us to do. 3 John verse 11 says this, Beloved, do not uh, imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. You know, Jesus made this statement about good and good deeds and good actions. There's a whole lot of verses I could go to here. But Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, what's called the Sermon on the Mount. His most uh, uh, 
well-known teaching, most lengthiest teaching that we have in print in the Bible. And he goes through what we first of all call the Beatitudes. The word Beatitude means blessing, and he, he tells the blessings that will come on people. He doesn't say blessed are the rich and blessed are the happy, but he says blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn. I mean, it's not what we expect at all. You know, we're kind of wanting, and I'm going to give everybody everything you want. And, you know, new houses, lots of money, yay, go God. And Jesus says, you're blessed when you're poor. Even at the end of it goes on to say, you're blessed when you're persecuted. How many of you know that's a radical change from human understanding? That's why we have trouble with all of these things is because we want to operate in our human understanding. And God wants us to be filled with the Spirit, which produces supernatural or spiritual thought process that is, is absolutely the antithesis that could not be further away from our human logic than it is. It, it's, it's as far away as it can be. It's a totally different way of thinking. It's spirit given. Jesus goes on to say in that passage, he says this, let your light shine a lot of Christians talk about the light, talk about shining. Here's what he, Jesus says what that means. Let your, let your light shine so that people would see your good works. You mean I'm supposed to be doing enough good stuff that people can actually see it? Yes. It should be your default. I always try to think about names of churches and if I was starting a new one, what I'd call it. I've never come up with a good name yet, you know. And a lot of the ones that are out there today to me are just kind of crazy, just to be honest. Uh, but I might call it the Church of Good Deeds. That might be good. I mean, tell everybody, if you're going to come here, you have to do that. You got to go around doing good things. You got to let your light shine so that people would see your good works. Notice the kicker here at the end. And glorify your Father in heaven. So it's not just doing good things, but it's when we do good things that we give all of the, the, all of the applause, all of the acclaim, all of the, the appreciation goes to God. Let him receive glory for the things that happen. The, um, the last thing today I want to tell you is this. Barnabas, I want to look at an example of a good man was a supernaturally good man. I don't, didn't take time to read it to you, but chapter 11, verse 24, right in front of it, it gets good stuff that talks about what was going on. Uh, Christians are getting, people are becoming Christians at Antioch. Uh, the, the disciples are kind of blown away by that. They didn't know that was going to happen. It all happened because persecution came to the church, by the way. What was intended for evil, God used for good. Persecution comes to the church in Jerusalem. What happens to the church in Jerusalem? They spread out. The worst thing that a church can do is exist in its holy huddles. We are not called just to be people that, that gather and put arms around each other and go, okay, let's all try to make it till next week. You know, dodge the devil and good luck out there. See you next week. That's not what we're about. We're to go out of here letting our light shine, doing the things that represent who Christ is, looking for opportunities to advance the kingdom of God. 
And so when persecution came, the, 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 the Christians spread across the area. And in Antioch, people were getting saved, putting their faith in Jesus Christ as Messiah. It was radical. And so when word got back to Jerusalem, they didn't have internet back then, in case you weren't aware of that. So it took a while. Word gets back to Jerusalem. And it says that Barnabas, whose real name's not Barnabas anyway, it's, it's uh, Joseph. Uh, or Joseph, some say, but, but his, he, he was called Barnabas, his nickname, which means the son of encouragement. And when, when word comes back, he is excited about what God is doing, and he says, I'm going to go and see if I can help him. Now, that's, the, that's a person doing good. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Being a good man means this, then, three things, right action for the right reason with the right results. That's what we're praying for all the time. By the way, it's a good person. Not, this is not gender related. I'm just using him as an example. We need good women like we need good men. And all of us do the right thing for the right reason, and God gives the right results. First thing I see about Barnabas is this. He was generous because he was grateful for God's blessings, and many people were brought to the Lord. He had a piece of land. He was a Levite, which they normally didn't own property, but somehow in his family there was a piece of property that he owned, a house he owned probably, and he sold it, and he gave all of the proceeds to help the Christians who were suffering persecution. Interestingly enough, Acts 5, that was Acts 4, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira say, hey, we'd like to get some of that pub for ourselves. We get a little bit of credibility here, so we're going to sell something, and we're going to bring in some of the money, but we're going to tell everybody we're giving it all. You remember the story? They come in, and they go, we're giving all the money off our land that we sowed. And they are questioned, is this all of it? Absolutely. One of the crazy stories in the Bible, they fell dead. Judgment came upon them. Now, it did not come upon them because they didn't give all of their money. It came upon them because they lied about what they had done. God's judgment's not always that swift, but it is always that certain. And just because you don't see it happen immediately, don't think God somehow missed that one. I I, I love with regard to the age we live in, the day in which we live, I love being able... And like, you guys over here won't even get this at all. But I remember as a kid watching a movie, watching a baseball game, stepping out, you know, on TV, stepping out to go get something to drink or whatever and come back and go, somebody would say, oh, man, you just missed the greatest play ever. It was awesome. And I can remember just going, no. Now if you walk out of the room and you come back and they go, you missed the greatest play also, you said, let me rewind and see that thing. A little bit of difference in... And how things go. In this calling, we have to get it right initially. We don't always get a backup and a do-over. And we've got to be good. We've got to be righteous. He was generous. Ananias and Sapphira, they lied about it. And immediately they were judged. But thank God for generous people who have a good heart. Not only was he generous, because people can be generous, he was also strong in faith, and it revealed itself in the way he encouraged others. When you have faith in God, then you see people the way God sees them. You see their potential. You see the possibilities. 
I'm not talking about being naive. I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit of God that sees good in others. He was joyfully committed to advancing God's kingdom. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Four or five things, I guess, five things to grow in goodness today. I put daily in front of each one of them. If you've been around long, you know that's one of my favorite words to talk about our spiritual growth because it's a daily growing. It's, it's not something, let's have an annual conference and get everybody fixed until next year. If we would every day make sure that we are where we need to be, God will use us in an incredible way. Number one, daily celebrate God's grace and goodness that has provided salvation through faith in the work of Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to celebrate that here today through the act of communion. Secondly, daily ask God to keep your heart pure. Because goodness comes from your heart. Daily strengthen your faith. How do you strengthen your faith? Through the word, through prayer, by being around people who encourage your faith, strengthen your faith, by coming to the house of God together when those opportunities are there, daily strengthen your faith. Daily stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people said, you know, we're clay pots, right? That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul used that illustration about all of us. Clay pots leak. So you get filled with the Holy Spirit You think, I got it, I'm good, I'm full. But then some of it just kind of comes out and other stuff come back into your life, filling you with maybe not good things. You need to have that daily cleansing, that daily, if you will, flushing out of the, the impurities of life, the things of this world, and be filled with the Spirit every day. Last thing, daily look for opportunities to let your goodness shine on others. I want to challenge you today to be known for God's goodness in you. Let your light shine so that people would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Russell, I don't know if we got all the, can we get all the musicians back up here? I'm going to throw you a big time curve if we can do it. I'm going to make a change on you here. Can we, can we do thank you? Thank you for the blood. Can we go back to that song, the second one we did? I, I want you guys to sing it through one time. As they're doing it, I want you to prepare your hearts to receive the elements of communion. Let me give you a few words about communion. If you haven't picked it up already, there's some there, there, and there. You can go get it right now as I'm talking Here's what the Bible says about communion. It is a time for us to inspect our hearts. And if we see anything that is wrong in there, to confess it and be cleansed. And then to partake. Now, the Bible says that if you do not confess it and ask for cleansing, don't partake, but refrain. That's an option. The better option, though, is to confess and partake. Some people think that, I've just seen this growing up, I haven't seen it lately as much, but there used to be people that would never take communion and their statement was always this, I'm just not worthy. 
Well, in, in the natural perspective, none of us are worthy, but Jesus Christ himself has made us worthy through what he did and what he transferred to us. And so as we partake, what we are really celebrating is not how great we are, but how good Jesus is. So if there's anything in your heart that's, that's wrong, anything in your life that's wrong, right now is a good time to, to repent. Repent is a very biblical word that means to turn away from sin and to pursue God. So if there's something in your life that's wrong, now's a great time to repent. And the Bible says this, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So none of us take communion today because we're, you know, Christian superstars, because we haven't sinned in 43 years, and you're only 42 years old. <laughs> now we come and we say, Lord, your grace is amazing. And you are my only hope and my only plea. I never come and say, God, look how good I've been. But I always say, God, look at what Jesus did for me. And because of his goodness, he has declared me worthy. Would you stand with me all across the room? I'll lead you in taking the elements in just a moment. Can we sing this song one time through if we would and think about the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for salvation? Then you walked right out again. 
Praise God for the love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus took what was well known to the Jewish nation as Passover, and he said, now it's going to become something new. Whereas before, Passover represented and reminded them of freedom from slavery of the Egyptians. He said, now it will let you know that you are free from the bondage of sin. He took the bread, which has so much special meaning, but he said, this bread now represents my body, which is broken for you. He became broken so that we might be made whole. Would you partake of the bread, thanking him for his sacrifice? Lord, today we pray and believe for healing of a physical nature, of a spiritual nature, for everyone that is in need today. Reveal your goodness and your grace, and may we receive your provision, I pray today in Jesus' name, amen. Then he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant. The old covenant was based in the law. The new covenant is based in grace. Now, just so you understand, that does not lessen the responsibility of those who are involved in the covenant. If anything, it strengthens it. Because what the law called us to do, we rebelled against. But what grace calls us to do, we delight in. Grace calls us to live a life that is pleasing to God. So grace now leads us away from sin and toward righteousness. Because of his shed blood, we have new life. Would you take the cup and would you partake with me? Our prayer team's going to come to the front. If you need prayer for anything in your life today, we invite you to come. 
If you have a spiritual need, if you need restoration with God, if you need some, something done in your life, whatever it is, physical, spiritual, financial, emotional, whatever you need, I invite you to come and to let one of them join with you in prayer. Lord, I thank you today that you're a faithful God. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit works in us to produce Christ-likeness. And one aspect of that is that we walk in goodness. May you empower us. May you encourage us to be filled with goodness. And I give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen.